Hello, everyone, and welcome to the American Scouser podcast. Uh, today, I'm your host, Timuchin, and with me, uh, we have the usual suspects from the last few weeks, actually. Uh, we have uh, Jamie. How's it going, sir? Not too bad, sir. And we do have Parker again. Parker, how is it going? Not bad. Thanks for asking. Looking so, forward to the uh, Thanksgiving holiday for those of us that are Americans. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving to everyone. As a Turkish guy, uh, Thanksgiving brings a ton of lame turkey jokes. Yeah, every year I hear at least a hundred, so it kind of takes its toll after a while. It's, yeah, I can like, imagine. Yeah, it's like body blows. Okay, <laughs> so <laughs> let's take a look at, I mean, obviously not the best game today. Liverpool lose to Atalanta at home 2-0. Uh, could have been worse. Obviously could have been a lot better. Uh, but Let's start talking about the game first a little bit. Uh, obviously, it's disappointing. I, I hate going online after losses or bad results because the overreaction squad is out and about firing all over the place. The uh, joined by the hindsight squad uh, now, now ripping the lineup and stuff like that. So uh, let's talk about the game a little bit. Obviously, you know, like a disappointing score, but you look at the lineup, it could have been gone a lot better. It wasn't when I saw the lineup. I was like, "This is not bad. This is a lineup that can compete." I think, to me personally, the most disappointing part was the players that we probably kept out of the eleven, or at least you know that the top tier of players that we put out there. You really needed them to perform to be able to carry some of these young guys and protect these young guys because uh, we had like three nineteen-year-olds out there. Uh, so that was kind of the hope, and they really did not have it today. Mo didn't, Mane didn't, and stuff like that. But uh, let's start with the lineup. I mean, we talked about it in the last podcast in terms of how impossible it was to come up with the lineup. So let's start with you, Jamie. Let me ask you this, because the hindsight squad now is saying uh, that, you know, we should have gone with the strong lineup, uh, get a lead, and then start subbing, which in an ideal world and maybe in football manager on FIFA works, but putting the strong squad out there does not guarantee that you're going to have a lead. But what did you think of the lineup when you first saw the 11? Well, I mean, like you said, hindsight, uh, the hindsight squad are out in full force. And why not? It's 2020. Hindsight, after all, <laughs> is 2020. Um, I to make that <laughs> had to make that dad joke. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I mean... Like you said, uh, when the lineup came out, that on Champions League, the lineup always comes out nice and early. Um, I was quietly confident. Um, good to see the youth. Good to see a mixture of class and experience uh, throughout the team. Um, good to see Mo back, etc. Uh, so I was quietly confident. But you know, uh, the hindsight squad, I'm sure, will say we were the we were the lesser team on the day. Um, the no shot thing really bothered me. Yeah. Um, yeah, that probably was like the worst. And obviously, you know, we were the worst team out there today, but I just don't know. I mean, it, putting out, I mean, you obviously could put out a stronger lineup, but I mean, that's what I hate about the, that's why I hate going online after scores like this. But, you know, if we got, if we won this game, uh, with an early lead, whatever. But in the 25th minute, Genie or, you know, or somebody like, you know, let's say Ruby Rest, like Bobby uh, gets injured or Fabinho gets injured, like a muscle injury or something like that in the 25th minute. 
these people would be like, this game was not that important. Why do we put these people out there and stuff like that? So you can't win that argument. You just kind of like look at, I mean, when I saw the lineup, at least I thought, and we talked about it on our discord channel, I thought it was a good mix overall between experience, quality with some youth thrown out there and some freshness in terms of like, you know, uh, legs and age, I guess. But uh, what did you think Parker in terms of like when you saw the lineup come out first? Uh, to put it in short, it's the lineup I expected, not the one I wanted. I would have wanted us to play a little more of the youth, honestly, not have, you know, Sadio and Mo out there personally, just because of, like you said, that injury risk, you know, I, I'm a very big proponent of trial by fire. That's how, you know, my dad always coached and he always, one thing he always told me and my dad's been coaching for longer than I've been alive, um, granted basketball, but still same concepts apply that you improve a lot more playing against someone that's far greater talent than you than beating on a squad that you're better than. And I think that games like this where ultimately it's not that important, we still have two more games left for the Champions League. One of them is going to be pretty easy match. The other is Ajax. Um, this is the time where we should be playing our youth. This is the time where we should be playing you know, the kids and the guys that don't get a lot of playing time to help them improve, to get them that experience against a high quality opponent instead of playing, you know, the gummy bear FA cup matches that they end up playing against, you know, a league three team, you know? Yeah. Okay. Surprises like Shrewsbury can happen, but like still ultimately they're not going to improve as much playing as a team like that as they will playing against Atlanta. So I think we should have been going more all out with starting our young guys and starting our youth. Um, I'm not 100% sure how that works out with the uh, eligibility stuff with the Champions League, but I still think it was risking more than we really should have. See, I thought, I mean, you kind of, once the test results were negative, you figured, you know, Mo would be out there just because he didn't play the weekend. So obviously in terms of being fresh as a forward, Mm -hmm. uh, he's the best we had. Um, Divac, which we'll probably get to because I kind of wanted to get your guys' yeah. take on a few of the players. Uh, and not to put the in like shift the entire blame on them because honestly, when you look around, it was just disconnected and below average overall. Like, I couldn't tell you, well, at least he played pretty good because there was really nobody that played really well. I mean, everybody had some really sloppy passing, even like our midfields that you know. Yeah, battled, ran, you know, won some balls and stuff like that. But the distribution was so sloppy. It was almost like slow, like just disconnected. And kind of like shows to all those Bobby haters probably of how, you know, Bobby kind of brings though that the front three uh, together. And but so let's before we get to those players. So the first half is kind of like a mopey, sleepy uh, zero zero where really they have the chances. Obviously, we've never shot on goal the entire game, so didn't have it the first half. Uh, and you could almost sense that they would get more opportunities and they might, you know, finish one off. So in terms of the substitutions, I mean, that's probably one thing I didn't get. If we were going to get these guys in to rest some of the guys out there and kind of like, you know, they had 45 minutes in them or, you know, I highly doubt they only had like 25 minutes in them. 
Uh, do you guys think that was late? I mean, obviously it was like minutes and a half or whatever late in terms of when the goal came. But overall, I personally expected, you know, knowing that we have five subs, at least two of them coming in at halftime. And they were warming up. So yeah. you almost like thought, you know, Jada would be coming in. Uh, maybe Robertson will be coming in. But did you guys expect any subs? Were you kind of disappointed that we kind of like trotted the same level back out there having seen the lack of action the first half? Yeah, I mean, I've seen Robbo get warmed up three or four different times and take his jacket off and get ready to go. And it was like, oh, nothing happened. So I don't know. It was just, I, like you said, disjointed. It's hard hard to put the blame on any one man. But, I mean, I don't know. Just disappointed. But not, not the end of the world, you know. Like, still top of the group, right? Aren't we? Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, like, we're so. up by two points still. I mean, all we have to do, you know, is like win one of the games or at least I think even if we tie Ajax, we kind of like almost it's in the bag just because of the first score, obviously, we had against Atalanta and, you know, they had to play each other. So there can only be one winner out of that when we uh, we play our last game. But I think in terms of, I mean, the difference between over the weekend, let's face it, this team plays a lot better when the pressure is on them. And yes. they have to perform. And so going out to a game where it's cool if we win, I mean, they're still human. And, you know, obviously you have all these youth players that, I mean, they're still young. So, and they're, these guys are kids. So they're even kids compared to freaking Parker, for God's sake. Right. So they're like kids. <laughs> so, uh, you know, so you kind of like have to expect, you know, the Champions League, they realize it's the big stage and a big experience for them and stuff like that. I mean, there's a difference between taking a guy like Fabinho out of his position, put him in center back, taking a guy like Milner out of his position and putting him at right back. Those guys are still experienced players that can handle the situation, know what to do, been there, done that. And there's something to be said about, you know, playing with players, you know, regardless of quality, because, uh, you know, you know the runs they're going to make and stuff like that. It just felt throughout the fields uh, that it was like very disconnected overall. So, let me come to the questions in terms of like players and see where you guys are at. I mean, like I say, looking around, I don't think like Jamie's saying, we can put the blame on anybody uh, specific, at least uh, some were more poor than others. But to me, there were some players who got an opportunity to kind of like show what they can do. And they just did not make the most out of it. And, you know, when you talk, you know, look at a guy like, Reese Williams, which, you know, the second goal, obviously, he let his guy go, like, kind of lost him for a second, and that's all it takes. Um, Nico, I thought, like, struggled overall, but you can't just pick one person because I thought that was throughout. But to me, the one that stood out the most, because before the game, even when we saw the lineup, I was like, this is a huge game for Divac to kind of, like, reestablish his position in terms of the first guy off the bench, you know, a guy who can come in and score, make things happen and stuff. So, Parker, let's start with you. So, what is your take on our friend Divok right now? He was not good. <laughs> I mean, I, I, you, you can't blame just him, like you were saying before. You know, he was, I want to say, far, far from the worst because I think he was in good contention for the worst, mm -hmm. personally. But, yeah. you know, he wasn't the only player playing like garbage. 
compared to... I think to it was poor overall, but in terms of getting the opportunity, I mean, you look at certain players that were out there today to kind of claim, you know, their position in the squad for the long term. I mean, I thought, right. you know, you know, for Divac especially. I mean, Nico is not going to be like, oh, he great. He played great. There goes Trent, you know. Right. Nico knows when Trent comes back and stuff, you know, that's not his position for the time being. He still has, like, more growing up to do. Uh, but for a guy like Divac, especially with, like, Jota coming in, you know, like, doing what he's been doing. Yeah. You have to bear in mind his ranking in terms of when he comes off the bench is going lower and lower and lower. He was the oh, God, first yeah. one off the bench. So I thought it was a big opportunity for him to be able to kind of show – what he can actually do. And it doesn't help that Mo and Mane on the wings did not have the best games. But, man, he kind of looks lost. Yeah, he looked like he... I don't want to read too into it, and I don't want to, you know, make too much of a claim, but I feel like he just doesn't care that much anymore. You know, I didn't feel that same passion that we saw, you know, a couple Christmases ago against Everton or against Barcelona. You know, I didn't, I didn't see that same drive, that same hunger, that same passion. And, you know, maybe it's just that to him, the writing's on the wall, you know, he's behind not only the regular front three, but also Jota now. I don't really know, but like, he just, it wasn't there for him. Really, it's, it's, it's interesting that you say that. I mean, to me, because he always comes across, and when you listen to some of the interviews and stuff, they talk about him in terms of he seems so calm all the freaking time, even when he scores like a ridiculous goal. I mean, I think it was that Everton goal, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Like he picked up the ball, like he's going to go and start the game again, like we were playing from behind or something. <laughs> was that, that, that I believe, I'm pretty sure that was that game where he scores the goal and he grabs the ball like, like he wants to do a kickoff real fast or something. Yeah, I can't but, remember. You know, which he's one. always like the calmest guy, even like his celebrations and stuff like that. I mean, I know I personally think it's confidence more than anything else. But Jamie, what's your take? Uh, well, you're talking about Devok. Like the the difference between him and a player like Jota is Jota can like grab a game by the scruff of the neck. I feel like I feel like Devok has his moments, has his spectacular moments. Obviously, we've all witnessed them. They're, they'll live long in our memory. But um, the service has to be just right for Divock. The, the, the rest of the team have to be on their game as well, whereas uh, a player like Jota can turn a half chance into a goal in a, in, a, in a heartbreak, I feel. Maybe I'm simplifying it too much. Maybe not. I don't know. Um, I like him. It's just he's his time had probably come, and then we signed Jota, and it was like, all right, now now it's kind of could we recoup any money from him? Does he want to be happy someplace else, et cetera, et cetera? So I mean, I, I, like he wasn't trying too hard, or he's he's not you know he's not doing anything wrong. I, I, he's probably performing really well in training. You know, he, he's probably doing excellent work. But it's just, you can't just waltz in and out of a team like that without losing some cohesion, losing some of that gel, and possibly losing some of that passion that Parker was talking about. 
Yeah, I mean, like I say, it just feels like off. And I personally think it's a confidence thing. Maybe we did overvalue him at one point and did not take like any of the offers that came our way. Uh, but then we obviously went out and spent the money on Jada and it's been obviously paying off. But you're right. I think, you know, he's not the kind of guy that is always, I mean, he has a signature move where he kind of like cuts in and takes the shot with the right. But aside from that, he's not a guy who's going to create a lot. He's a guy who's going to make runs behind and it wasn't a game of that kind where he could make runs behind because really let's face it i mean give the italian team the credits i mean they smartened up over the first game and they played a lot smarter in terms of sitting back a bit more not letting those runs behind absolutely and they'll, they'll have a point to to me it as well you know that they would have taken that very personally you know that was on their home turf you know exactly yeah so, so this is on our home turf and you know fair fair play to them because they came out and, and played like they had something to prove so fair play to them but again it, it just adds some validity to what Klopp's saying about the scheduling and losing players and the turnaround and you know maybe tonight was Divock's greatest opportunity and he you know it, it's, it's difficult like that you know you can't just you know the first opportunity you get you can't just grab it you know it's not as easy as all that but um I do feel bad for him. It, it wasn't a great game. He didn't cover himself in glory. Jumping off that point too, that this is something that I've seen brought up a little bit today is this is one of those games where having Anfield behind us would uh, really make a great deal of difference. You know, having that rallying cry, I think would have helped us out a lot. And obviously we can't do that right now, but you know, I'm curious to kind of where you guys stand on that because I think oh when that first I think goal would have went in difference. yeah when that first like there was only four minutes between the first goal and the second right so yeah. here's here's exactly what happens with a full Anfield one nil down we get louder we you know like that that's like and um I just a full Anfield would have just would have been a, a cauldron you know and from from the get-go from from the first minute not even responding to to a one nil down just i think so it just brings a different level of energy to even like start the game you know from the moments you come out and stuff having said that i mean the flip side of that would be how would the young guys react to that i don't know if that's more intimidating for them as well as opposed to you know almost like playing it like a training session where they just hear you know hear you're going to yell on the side and, you know, like Milner and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, it would have definitely made a huge difference in terms of being able to get some energy into the team. And not only that, I felt like, I mean, in all fairness, he kind of called it both ways, I would say for the ref. I mean, decent game overall, but man, he was letting everything go. So at least it was both ways, which I can live with if you're kind of refereeing it even across the board. But I mean, people, every time they tried to control the ball, they were being kicked from behind and, he was just letting everything go. I mean, most of those would be called. And the refs will deny it, but it's bullshit. If you have a crowd that's overreacting to that, you kind of anticipate that before you make calls and it gets adjusted. Oh, absolutely. So there's like a big influence that the crowd would have made that way. So, yeah, I mean, obviously that's going to – there are certain clubs and teams that probably get hurt more by – the lack of fans than others who kind of like feed off of that. I mean, like 
I could, in terms of like big teams, like to me, like a team like Arsenal, for example, is probably happy that there are no fans because that crowd can turn on them really fast. I mean, yeah, they have like great fans and that atmosphere can get going. But if things are not going their way, that's, you know, that fan base can turn on the team really fast mid-game, especially with what has happened over the last few years. So whereas, you know, you look at a club like us, you know, it, it is like an energizing force. And it, it's a force that can pick a team up when it's down, like Jamie's saying, or even from the get-go can kind of have you like start with more energy. So definitely losing out in that factor. I mean, the whole like the Anfield magic kind of like, goes away with that i mean even when you lose at home today did it really feel like a loss at home no you know right it, it was just yeah i mean on the on the note of the fans um just sorry to hijack the podcast from you there from a second to Muchen. um <laughs> but uh, obviously today was the news that uh, diego maradona passed away um so rest in peace to the the argentinian goat yeah um, but here's a quote One, that no. um, that we're sort of talking about about the, the the atmosphere and what the fans can do. This is about the 2005 final. Obviously, a different scenario than a, a group stage Champions League. But um, Diego Maradona is quoted as saying, "I've now made Liverpool my English team. They showed that football is the most beautiful sport of all. The Liverpool supporters didn't let me go to sleep the night before the final. There were ten of them to every three Milan supporters." They showed their unconditional support at halftime when they were losing 3-0 and they didn't stop singing. So, I mean, obviously it's a different scenario, but, it's, you know, we all remember what happened then. So, like... Hey, I always, you know, I've talked about the shame in our family. My brother, who's a United fan, who happened to be at that game, because obviously it was in Istanbul. And, um, I mean, he even said that it was just amazing the way the fans sang at halftime on a game where we were, you know, losing 3-0. So like an objective outsider, that was amazing. I think, yeah, the fan base can really uh, do a lot in terms of like, you know, like pick up the slack uh, and get some energy to the team. Just get behind the team instead of like turning on the team. But uh, so before we continue, like you brought up like Diego Maradona, who is a player, you know, Parker has rarely probably seen, but uh, (laughs) as highlights only. But I mean, I obviously grew up watching. Uh, I was actually amazed today and I can kind of understand it. Uh, I mean, obviously we're in a lot of like Liverpool groups and stuff like that. And obviously uh, a lot of the fan base is from England and thing. And I was really amazed to see the hate on Diego. And I can kind of understand why, I guess, you know, if, you know, he scored with this, if he swapped the, swatted the ball into the nets against Turkey in an important game like that, maybe I would have a bit more hate in him as well. But man, he was some player. And it was one of those guys that whenever he got the ball, you kind of stopped and watched because he was going to make something happen. I mean, it was, yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, like you can go on YouTube and see his, you know, highlights. You can see his warm up thing with life is life, just juggling that ball and stuff. But I mean, his story, I know he's had like, you know, like drug issues, some political issues and stuff like that. But, you know, to a fan of the game, I just look at the player and like his rise from, you know, like being a kid playing on the street to like what he became. And man, what a player he was. I mean, you just like, just drool, just watching the dude with the ball just looked, 
so looked like a part of his body, yeah. man. He just looked so freaking natural. It was just like ridiculous. So yeah, definitely. I mean, like I say, it, I know he had like a lot of health issues over the last you know decade with like drugs and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I was like when I saw it this morning, I was like, damn. And I, that's the first thing is I texted my brother because. You know, I remember like growing up, just watching that dude and say, did you freaking see that? That second goal. Okay. Like the handball goal, maybe the with VAI God, wouldn't happen yeah. now, but yeah. that second goal he had against England. And I think My he did God. it right afterwards to Belgium, just weaving through people. I mean, seriously. Somebody said, I think some English player, I can't remember who it was, but who was on the team at the 86 said, if the first goal didn't stand, the second goal should have counted for two. <laughs> you know it was an amazing goal if you haven't seen the goal go on youtube check it out against england in 1986 he scores the hand of god but uh another quote because like it, it's diego maradona and i i completely get the hatred for the handball goal because thierry Henry done it against the irish and i'll never forgive him as much as a genius as that man was i'll never forgive him he'll never be in my top 10 put it that way but uh, Diego Maradona says, is quoted again, sure, the English may very well hate me, but the Scottish and Irish love me, and that's all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, you got to love that, uh, that close connection with genius and insanity and the dark side. And, like, you know, George Best had it as well, um, a fantastic player. Uh, obviously played for Man United, but um, Northern Ireland as well. There's a great, there's a great clip from George Quist. Oh, Gascoigne as well, another yeah. bad man. Um, but George Best as well. There's a great clip of him. He he loses his boot, his his football cleat. As uh, look at me dropping Americanisms. And so he loses. So proud of you. So proud of you. So loses his boot. Two players are on him. Dribbles past two players, dribbles past his boot, picks up his boot, pick, <laughs> puts the boot back on and continues playing football. It's mad. But, you know, th these geniuses do have a dark side. So, you know, I can understand the hate, but there's much, many more who admire him, I'd say. Yeah. I mean, he was an icon of the game, you know, kind of like you referred to already. Obviously, a wee bit before my time, but same thing with, like, Pele. You know, yeah. just absolute icons of the game that even people that don't know about the sport that much, they know about. You know, they know about Pele. They know about Maradona. They know about Ronaldo, Messi, Beckham. You know, I would say it's a very, very short list of players that are universally known by people. And I would say Maradona is absolutely one of them. And I think... Part of that is due to obviously the off the the field kind of stuff, but I think definitely as well as the hand of God kind of really uh, brought, you know, whether you want to call it fame or infamy, infamy yeah. to him as a player. He's still someone that's an athlete that anyone knows, even if they're not into the sport itself. <laughs> And I think sometimes it's kind of hard to kind of gauge a player. I mean, thank God, you know, we're not that old with Jamie where we watch Pele play. But, right. you know, so you so you see kind of like highlights from a player, but it's just not the same. I mean, yeah, you can go on YouTube right now and watch Pele and watch Maradona and these guys and highlights and stuff like that. But 
I, there is something to players like that when you're watching them live in a normal game. And, I mean, we have players like that now. I mean, like, just think of, like, uh, closest person in terms of on our team right now, I would say is probably in terms of, like, you kind of stop and say, what is he going to do? You have no idea what he's going to do. It's Harvey probably Elliott. Sadio. Harvey <laughs> Elliott? <laughs> I would probably say, like, Sadio. Not even Mo. I would probably say Sadio. Because, I mean, I've actually read interviews where even, like, his teammates are like, you never know what the hell he's going to do. And that's what makes him hard to defend. Uh, but there are only certain players where you're like, you know, you kind of like, you know, you're watching the entire game, but it's almost like in a corner of your mind, that person has a spotlight wherever they're on the field. And when they get the ball, you know, it's like, what is he going to do? I mean, I remember when I first came to the U.S., uh, and started watching, like, uh, American football. So this will be, like, an American reference for, you know, like, the regular football fans who are new to soccer. Um, <laughs> like, Barry Sanders was a guy like that to me. When I first started the sport, I didn't know anything about the sport, kind of watching it, but I was like, man, I don't know what it is about this dude, but whenever he gets the ball, it's like something crazy is going to happen. Like, he's going to make something weird and, you know, like, just do, like, an extraordinary play whenever he gets the ball. So there are only, like, every generation and every sport has certain – players and definitely Maradona was one of them. I mean, I mean, obviously if you're not, if you're Parker's age, the best you'll be able to do is go and watch rules. highlights. But even that is better than nothing, man. Cause definitely yeah. if you love the sports, you got to watch this dude do his thing. Don't, don't mind me. I'm just Googling Barry Sanders. Played for the Lions. <laughs> the, only, the only good player we ever had. I could do a whole podcast on. I mean, I'm using this podcast what? to kind of get like Jamie accustomed to like American sports at the same time. So, so let's go back to the game. And um, I had one more other player that I want to kind of ask your guys take. Because I, I was too. personally I, sorry. Don't Shock. mean to cut you off, but before we get rolling, I have one short thing um, before my side cut off um, about the ref. We actually saw Sadio screaming F you to the ref. I don't know if you guys saw that video, but no, it was, I don't remember at what time. Let me see. In about the 38th minute, well, 37th minute, there was like oh, some this time. dumb minute. foul. <laughs> 37th. To be exact, 37 minutes and 13 seconds in. Oh, hell yeah. There's some dumb foul. We were on the attack, and, you know, some, think, one of the Is that the one like he was on the, up. like almost about to get into the box between Correct. like two, three guys? Okay. Yeah. And he gets a foul called on him, and you just hear him screaming very clearly at the ref a big <laughs> F you, which I didn't notice it when I was watching the match, but I saw a post on Reddit. I don't remember if it was after or at halftime, but um, I was like, huh, I, I don't really see Sadio doing that. He's more of the <laughs> soft-spoken jolly types, but damn, even the ref even pissed him off. The the red mist during the game, I guess. I mean, yeah. it which, could turn I mean, even I mean, the almost... nicest and most humble of guys into a lion, which, I mean, his new, <laughs> his new uh, ad promotion for yeah, New Balance is the lion. So well, I've always seen him as someone who I always joke, the man only knows football. Um, I remember right at the start of the restart, they were uh when they were just starting to do the taking the knee for Black Lives Matter, it was <laughs> one of the first games. Yeah. Whistle blows, everyone takes a knee, except Sadio just goes full tilt sprinting towards yeah, the Yeah, just like the ultimate yeah. false starts. Yeah. <laughs> gets a good gets a good like five steps in, looks around. Oh shit, kneels yeah. down. 
of course, you know, Sadio <laughs> would be right there with them. Obviously, right. a, a brilliant cause, and he's not trying to disrespect or anything. It's just crazy. No, it's just he's that focused. <laughs> yeah, see. Oh, that was comedy gold. Like, I just had the laugh internally when that was happening because it was priceless, you know? Yeah. The man is the kindest of generous souls there ever is. And there he is, just off on his run, trying to get his goal. <laughs> like, oh, See, I got to go back and watch that now because that is odd coming from him. The ref was Spanish. So I, can, I can send you a link to it. <laughs> So going back to the game, uh, why don't you guys take on? Because I was almost shocked not to see him. I was almost like shocked to see the entire same midfield come back out again. Actually, after like the shift they put in against Leicester, but uh, Minamino, Taki, like, were you guys shocked not to see him out there until he came in at the very end? Which I was really concerned. I hope there was nothing wrong with Matip, and that's why he came in because it kind of seemed like a last ditch in like you know six minutes to go coming in, but. Were you guys shocked not to see him in sort of, for example, like where Curtis was, maybe? I would have started him, personally. Yeah, you would have. I, yeah. I don't know if he's there yet. I don't know if he's there. I'd, like, defensively, I'm talking about. I'd, like That's fair. You know. Yeah, that's probably, like, one issue. I mean, I feel like he's sometimes – I mean, the guy is – full of uncontrolled energy, it almost looks like when you watch him. Like, it's – it feels like, you know, when you put in, when the adults are playing and you put a little kid in, you're like, hey, you want to play with us? And he'll just go out there and like run his butt off, but kind of like not in sync with the rest. <laughs> like, you know, man, this guy has a lot of energy, but he doesn't know what the heck he's doing. He always reminds me of that in terms of like how he plays or how he runs and pressures the ball and stuff like that. But I have to say, I was kind of like shocked that he didn't get a start or at least get more minutes and maybe he would have been the one coming in if he weren't behind or something like that a lot earlier. But I was kind of shocked not to see him get more minutes. I mean, you would think if, like, Shaq was healthy, he would be out there. Uh, so I thought since he was healthy, I mean, fresh legs, he hasn't played, I thought he would be out there. I mean, I know he's not a big investment uh, in terms of, like, money-wise. Uh, but it's kind of, like, almost semi-concerning that – He's not there yet yeah. at the same time. But Cause like, mean, he was signed as a squad player. So it's not, you know, as concerning as like a high dollar, you know, guy would be not breaking into the team or something like that. But I really thought today would be a good opportunity for him to like get some minutes, kind of like shocked to yeah. not see him out there. He's one of those people that on paper, he should really work well because he is lightning quick. That kid can run mm-hmm. fast as hell. So in theory, that goes along with our ethos that goes along with the heavy counterattacking, heavy metal football that we play of, you know, being able to pass it up to him and let him just blaze past defenders as a sub with fresh legs, but we didn't put him on until what, like the eighty fourth minute or something like that. Yeah. I like, was right at the end of the game. more concerned that there was something wrong with Matip and that's why right. he's coming in so that, you know, we can get him. Cause I just don't see why we did the rest Joel for, six minutes we could have done that with like 15 minutes to go or something like that too. right so hopefully it wasn't something that serious i just feel like hopefully it's part it of the cramped, deal where you know? right he's not i mean there's a thing to be said about in terms of being able to be like football smart in terms of being understanding how we play and how you use that energy to pressure and stuff like that i mean 
you see Bobby using that role. I mean, to me, when we signed him, the way he plays, the way what the things he can do at the time, I was thinking he would be Bobby's replacement in terms of being able to provide because we had nobody and we kind of maybe Jota obviously now a bit more in terms of what you know Bobby can bring to the table. I always feel like he was that one, but I feel like you know, like I say, he does that running, but it's not synchronized, you know, with the rest. I mean, we all play with guys forwards who kind of pressure, but at the wrong times where they're pressuring by themselves. It's like, dude, you're just running between three people that are playing like cat and mouse with you and you're just tiring yourself out. Mm -hmm. And then when we're pressuring as a team, you're not going after the guy you should go after. Because you're tired. Because you're just Yeah, because you're tired chasing nothing. Exactly, yeah. So uh, it kind of like reminds me of that sometimes. I think it's just a matter of, you know, getting in sync with how we play. But I guess part of me says, man, it's been, what, almost a year now, right? Wasn't it last winter we signed him? Yeah. By last January, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a January signing. I think you're right, yeah. So, because I think, yeah, we signed him, but he was still able to play Champions League and stuff like that. But, yeah, I thought that was kind of, like, interesting that he wasn't able to get his chance. But at the end of the day, I mean, I've been reading online about how embarrassing it was and stuff. And probably getting a shot on goal doesn't look very good. But I think it was just – I mean, I would just explain it more as disappointing rather than embarrassing. Uh, so – it's behind us now. Obviously, we're still in the Champions League. This was the good. We talked about it a few days ago about having the nine points from the first three games. So that kind of still still leading the group. Still everything is under our control. And let's just hope we don't leave it to the last game again. But uh, we'll come to that probably next week. So let's head, look ahead to the weekend with American Parker celebrating Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> this is probably this is our last pod from before the weekend game against Brighton. Brighton early on Saturday morning. So, uh, <laughs> so let's start with you, Jamie. What do you expect in terms of lineup? And I'm, obviously, it's going to be a whole different team playing mindset wise and energy wise and stuff. But uh, do you expect pretty much the same lineup or Mo is back now? What do you think? Look, it, it, it'll be, um, it's easy to say, isn't it, really? You know, I think um, in this current climate, to throw back to our old days. Um, it's been three pods since we said that. <laughs> yeah, throw back to, yeah, because we can't say it anymore. It's, it's poison, it's a poison chalice. Um, no, so in, in all seriousness, it's, it's hard to put your, yourself in, in Klopp's shoes now, because with the quick turnaround, it's, it's, it's beginning to be ridiculous because I think after Brighton, it's Tuesday, Ajax. So yep. Sunday, Monday, game on Tuesday, you know? It's like there, there's no rest for these guys. Um, so hopefully they all come back and, and can have, a, have their day off tonight. <laughs> and... Uh, a light session tomorrow and, and everybody stays fit and healthy and, and we can we can field our best 11 because it's been a while since we've seen our, our true best 11. Obviously, you know, Verge isn't going to make it, um, but, it, you know, it's been a while since we've seen our, our best 11 out there. So it, it'd be nice to see... Um, it'd be nice to see some players coming back into the starting squad, you know, um, 
yeah, I don't know where I'm at with that. It's it's so it's, with the uh, game being away. I mean, are we? One would assume Mo makes his way into the starting eleven. Who is coming out from the Leicester game? I mean, assuming the back four is the same as the Leicester game, because um, I don't see why we would change that. Obviously, you know, Milner slotting back there again uh, would be a lot better yeah. uh, than Nico. I don't know if he would chance, take the chance with Nico against Brighton uh, on the counter, but if you're putting more back in out of the lesser game, who are you taking out? Or are you not putting Mo in? At, well, after tonight's performance, you never know, do you? <laughs> well, after um, performance, I don't know who you would put in, but... <laughs> <laughs> I guess um, you've got to. You can't, you can't not start Mo Salah, you know. Um, does that mean... Curtis doesn't start in midfield and we see something strange and exciting happening there. I don't know. Maybe Fab pushes up into midfield and I, who knows, you know, I, I'm not sure. It's, yeah, It has uh, become more and more challenging to come up with lineups. Uh, what we can do, what everybody online does, wait till the end of the game and then come in and criticize the 11 that started and say, <laughs> this is what should have happened. But, uh, so Parker, what do you have in terms of the starting 11 uh, if you're working Mo back in there, which like Jamie says, I think if Mo is healthy, you almost have to have him out there. Uh, are you taking Jota out? Are you taking Jones out? Are you shuffling the formation? What do you do? I think a little bit of a shuffle up would be good because I think Jota's proven that he definitely belongs either on the starting lineup or the great sniff at it. <sighs> I would say shuffle up the lineup, figure out a way to have our traditional top or front three and Jones in it. I don't know exactly what formation we could go for to do that and how we'd want to do that besides a 4-1-3-1-3. Like a yeah, like a, a I think like that's a four it. two three one almost four two three reversed, one. Yeah, yeah, I can see that happening. I mean, we have some players that could really make that formation work. Sadly, they're not available, like Thiago and Henderson, and you know, mm-hmm. like some guys. Right. That and that's another thing, by the way. I mean, watching the game today, I almost felt like a handle out there would make a huge difference in terms <laughs> of approach. Maybe not necessarily gameplay and performance, but I think in terms of approach, uh, he's another he's another club on the field, basically uh, barking out orders. So I mean, there was I think that was like the last game actually before he got injured. I was watching a video of nothing but Hendo yelling the entire game, which is like clips of yeah. him basically. Yeah. I mean, and anything from positive reinforcement to negative reinforcement back to positive, chewing out positive. I mean, that's. It's every every ball, play. every ball that gets played. Yep. He's like, "Go on, son." You know, he yep. he's commentating the entire game. You know, like pretty he, much, pretty yeah. much. And that's key. I mean, honestly, especially. I mean, you can hear what was impressive to me was the ratio of positive and negative. Mm-hmm. So how much positive and you know, like giving the energy, enthusiasm there. I mean, if you ever play with somebody like that, or like if you have players like that on your team. That does help. I mean, yeah, I know everybody thinks, oh, these are guys are professionals and stuff. does not matter. They're still human. Yeah. It does help. It makes a huge difference to have somebody, especially if you're a guy like Curtis Jones or somebody like that, because he's on the field with Curtis and he's all over Curtis in terms of like going after balls, getting the ball, like, you know, his control, calmness and stuff like that. So 
it's I can't wait to get that guy back. Uh, Thiago is kind of like an unknown. Looks like it almost sounds like Klopp doesn't even know what's wrong with him, which is kind of scary, I guess. But uh, hopefully, a couple more weeks if we can kind of like get the results we want in the league and you know just control the group and go to the next round. I almost feel like maybe if we get lucky, we're working out the the worst part of injuries. Here's the knock on wood that it doesn't get worse and we get more as we go in this tighter schedule. But So before we take off, let's get some score predictions. Parker, we'll go start with you. Brighton, Liverpool, what you got? I'm going to go with 3-1 to one for us. I think it's going to be – it's going to start off close. I think we'll score first, score a second. They'll put one back. And then we'll score a third one to seal it right at the end. That sounds good to me. Might not even have to wake up at six thirty in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. Right? That's nice. Um, what you got, Jamie? I mean, there, there's been a lot of uh, three ones. Um, I think we we last had Brighton. It was a, a three one. So I, I'll go. I'll I'll ride your coattails, Parker. Come on, we're going three one <laughs> the whole way to the bank, mate. Come on. Let's go. I'll be different, I guess. Uh, 3-1 does sound good. I mean, the scenario Parker laid out sounds very realistic to me. Uh, or it could be the complete opposite where we get scored on first, kind of like wake up and go at him, uh, get him back. But I'll go with 2-1. I think it's going to be uh, tighter. I mean, Brighton is not the best going forward, but I still think they will get a goal uh, with this makeshift back line, or if we have a huge lead, just because we get a bit more relaxed sometimes. But yeah, but I'm hoping like we get the three points and carry on. Uh, I mean, we still have the lesser game. But I I kind of like almost would erase this game and not base the weekend's performance on the game we watched today. It's just, it's kind of hard to gauge these guys on what was out there today in terms of like the disconnect between them, the whole shuffled back line, bunch of 19 year olds running out there and stuff like that. So I think the weekend will be better. Any parting thoughts, gentlemen, before we go carve the turkey or stuff it or whatever the heck? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you better be stuffing it before you start carving it. Now, come on. I'm Irish. Even I know that that's, you're doing things the Irish way, Tim. Come on. Do you do Thanksgiving at the Jamie House or the Mohon House? Oh, we there? do, yeah, in America. Okay. But not back home. Nobody knows what Thanksgiving is. Yeah, but, I know. But, I mean, it's, I love it because it's just like a, a, a mini mini Christmas. Christmas part one. Yeah. Um, but in all seriousness, uh, do wish everyone a, a happy Thanksgiving. Um, yeah. I love the holiday. It's great. Um, stuff me full of food. I'm a skinny guy. I was gonna say, it's an excuse yeah. to I'm, eat I'm a drink, skinny guy. Bro. Every single woman and my mother, my sisters, every single woman I've ever met, my wife included, has tried to fatten me up. And this is my perfect holiday. <laughs> <laughs> um, but parting thoughts, Liverpool-wise, I mean, it's not the end of the world, lads, lads and, and ladies. It's um, you know, we're still top of the group. We're still joint top of the table. So. Let's let's keep the positive. Positive. I was gonna say, even a negative guy like me can't see the positive in that shit. I mean, you're (laughs) top of everything. Just relax, enjoy Thanksgiving, stuff it, carve it, whatever you gotta do. Uh, (laughs) Are you traveling, Parker, for Thanksgiving, or are you Uh, just going to my parents' house? Okay. That's probably like the toughest thing about this Thanksgiving to most. I mean, yeah. I know, you know, my daughter's coming home actually on the way home from college right now, but it's like a, just a home party with us. Mm-hmm. We'll do the turkey and the, the classics. This is probably like, 
like a holiday we do the classics with, but we kind of like fine tune things for like Christmas and Easter on those holidays. Not that we sit down and like celebrate, celebrate, but if it's eating and drinking, shit, give me the holiday. I'll take right. it and celebrate yeah. it. So, so yeah, Worst happy Thanksgiving to all work. who's in the U.S. celebrating. Uh, if you're not in the U.S. celebrating, shit, still celebrate it. All you got to do is eat and drink is pretty much it. So anybody can <laughs> handle that. Uh, and then we'll be back again next week, uh, hopefully talking about the Brighton victory. So thank you, gentlemen, for joining me. And thanks to all for listening. Uh, see you guys next week. Awesome. See you guys. Okay. Uh, I think that was...